and welcome to At Home With, a podcast from the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts. And every week you'll be hearing conversations with agents from across our business about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes, and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Knight Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today, I'm joined by James Clark, our head of London sales. James and I'll be chatting about the highs and lows of his career, his most exciting property sales, and what it really takes to make it in the world of real estate. James began his property career back at Foxons in the year 2000, before leaving to join Knight Frank in 2015 as the head of core market sales. Since then, James has risen up the ranks to become regional head for Prime Central London Sales and now heads up our London sales division. Though the 20 years experience of the London property market, James is a font of knowledge and expertise. James, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Pleasure to uh, be here, Becky. Thank you. And how are you doing today? How have things been since the London property market reopened and things have started to get ever so slightly back to normal? I think it's fair to say been pretty busy. Um, obviously, managing or overseeing, should I say, the, the 30 offices that we have in London, uh, there's obviously a lot of people, uh, people to get back to work, people to uh, keep informed. And uh, it, it, it's certainly good to be back. And excitingly, uh, the couple of weeks that we have been back in the offices, we've started to see um, some really good transactions and certainly lots of uh, activity in regards to viewings and requests for, for MA. So long may that continue. And personally, how did you find the experience of lockdown and not being able to work in those traditional ways that you've gotten so used to? Did you find it easy? Did you find it difficult? What was that experience like for you? Different. Uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, in in some ways enjoyable. Uh, it's been quite nice not to be uh, on a train for, for three hours of the day. Uh, and it's it's sort of opened my eyes at how much time that obviously takes up and what you can do in that time and how productive you can be uh, if you haven't had to uh, commute. But equally, uh, I've missed the interaction with colleagues and as many of the, the Zoom and the Microsoft team meetings that we've had and other ways of communicating has been great. I've definitely missed that sort of interaction and being in the room with other people. And as we'll get on to later in the conversation, property is such a people-focused industry. And so not being able to have that human connection, being able to see people in person and have to communicate via Zoom and Teams just must be really strange. Definitely. And I'd, I'd certainly class myself as a, a, a people person. And uh, that's, you know, these days, that's where I get my, uh, my my kicks. It's obviously seeing the teams, making sure that they're happy and healthy and uh, and thriving. I mean, that's certainly the case. It's certainly been the case since uh, we've been back. And uh, I've, I, I'm just sort of super proud, really, of what everyone has achieved during the eight or nine weeks that we have been out of the office. It's been amazing to see people coming together, the camaraderie and uh, the team spirit, which uh, is what Night Frank is all about. So as I mentioned in my intro, you now head up our London sales team, but you started in property back in 2001. What was it that made you decide to pursue this career path? I certainly didn't grow up expecting uh, to go into property. It's just something that I, I fell into. Uh, I passed on the university aspect of things. Um, sort of, I didn't necessarily trust myself to, to knuckle down for the three or four years uh, to get a degree. Um, I was a little bit unsure of what I, what I wanted to do. Um, knew that I liked obviously speaking and dealing with people. I don't think I could be 
or, or ever have been really somebody that could sit behind a desk nine till five. So definitely wanted something that would get me out and about meeting different people from all uh, different walks of life. And uh, after doing A-levels, um, just sort of fell into it after a brief stint as a chef, believe it or not. Uh, I sort of did that whilst I was doing my A-levels and whilst uh, I was sort of waiting for an opportunity to arise, sort of fell into that full time, met somebody uh, that was working in the industry. Uh, They put me in touch with the boss. I think I had uh, an interview literally the following day and uh, the rest is history, as they say. And what was it about being a chef that you decided wasn't for you? Why did you decide to make that move from being a chef into being an estate agent? Um, I don't know whether you've ever worked in a kitchen, but those of you that have would certainly uh, realise it's incredibly hard work, uh, both sort of mentally and physically. The hours are not only extremely long, but but very unsociable. Uh, And I think unless you're sort of at the very, very top of your game, and I'm certainly far from that, I was a commie chef in a in a in a steak restaurant um the the, the pay is pretty pretty poor um it's something that i really enjoyed though and it definitely gave me really good grounding i know that sort of sounds a bit of a cliche but it definitely gave me good grounding going forwards and uh i think if you if you can put up with that uh, i think you can sort of go on and do anything really and you mentioned there that you didn't get a degree and you didn't go to uni and i'd be really interested to find out if this has had any impact on you throughout your career. I think a lot of the time people talk about having a degree and going to uni as being vital to success. But have you ever had any moments of thinking, oh, I wish I'd done a degree? Or do you think that it's not actually had any impact on your career at all? Not once. Not once. Uh, And I know that sounds terribly sure of myself, but I had really, really good people around me. And uh, right right from day one, I think I've been extremely lucky to have fantastic managers and have fantastic mentors. Um, And I think, uh, you know, as long as you're willing to absorb and learn, um, you can learn on the job. And as I say, in my opinion, I sort of had the best in the business right from the very off when I started. And I've been lucky enough to have that all the way through my career. So uh, I think I think there's occasionally you might have the odd, the odd doubt, but nothing in, in I don't think that's related to having a d- degree or not. You certainly have your doubts of whether you're good enough, whether you can push yourself to the next level like we all do. But um, I think if you want to get on and you want to push on and, and, and sort of make a success of yourself, you, you have to push yourself out of the comfort zone. And I'm somebody that feels very comfortable um, in my own skin. I never pretend to be anything that I'm not. Um, And uh, it's sort of done me me well to this point. And did you have any practical experience of property before you got into it? I suppose a lot of the time people talk about if you don't go to uni, you get that work experience. Or was it for you completely being thrown in the deep end and learning on the job? Literally thrown into the deep end. Literally thrown in the deep end. I think I'd been on a week's holiday uh, with some really good friends and uh, I think I landed on the Sunday, drove myself down to London on the Sunday night and started on the Monday morning and that literally was my first bit of property experience and, and learnt on the job and as I say I just had fantastic people around me. I think I'd like to think I'm a quick learner and uh, just picked it up as I went along and obviously made some mistakes and continue to make mistakes uh, to this day but um, no in answer to your question Becky no no property experience whatsoever um, thrown in at the deep end and uh, it's been good it's been a great great journey so far. 
And so in those first few years, what was it that really gave you that bug for property? What was it that you loved the most? I wouldn't, if, if, if I'm honest, it probably wasn't the bug for property. I think it was the bug for meeting different people uh, from all different walks of life. And uh, that that's where I got my buzz and still get my buzz today. Uh, and I think it was, I started off in South Kensington, um, which is obviously uh, quite a prestigious area in prime central London. Uh, it was a time when the market was booming for both sales, sales and lettings. I started off uh, and uh, was in lettings for a long time. And I just really enjoyed uh, meeting people predominantly affiliated to the city, uh, lawyers and investment bankers, and just enjoyed being in their company. And if I'm honest, I enjoyed doing deals with those people. Um, and obviously the demographic of the, the, the vendors and landlords are similar and getting agreement with both sets of people, as it were, uh, to, to make a, 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 a sale or a let come to fruition was, was exciting. So I think it was more that than the property, but certainly as time has gone on, I've certainly realized uh, I do have a love for, for, for property. I might go for, for, for a walk here at home and, uh, you know, I'm sort of more, more looking at the houses and the architecture uh, than I am other, other parts of the scenery. I, get, I, I, I do get a kick out of it. I do enjoy it very, very much. And do you think you have to fundamentally be a people person to succeed in this industry? Do you have to have that love of people, that love of conversation, that ability to connect with other people to make yourself a success and stand out? Uh, yes, I'd, I, I'd say certainly from the estate agency side, it's almost sort of 80 to 90 percent of the job. I think if you can uh, get onto someone's level, understand their requirements, their wants and their needs, whether that be on the seller or whether that be on the buyer side uh, and deliver on your promises and, and do it in such a way um, where, where you can show empathy, you can be enthusiastic, you can converse with that person whether they're older, whether they're younger, uh, whether they come from a different background to yourself, but sort of feel comfortable in their presence. But most importantly, make them feel comfortable. And I think you've, um, you've got the ingredients for a really good agent and, and somebody that will certainly succeed in this industry. Obviously, if you have the drive, determination and the work ethic as well. And something that's come up a lot in the conversations that I've been having on this podcast are the skills of empathy and adaptability and how they are almost vital and essential for success within the property industry. However, there's not a huge amount of conversations surrounding them outside the industry. And a lot of the time it's all seen about the sale and the gift of the gab rather than actually having that human connection and working out what exactly your, your buyer or your client wants when they come to you. Do you think that you're naturally quite an empathetic and adaptable person? And do you think that these skills are essential to success in the industry uh, i think so and i think you, you have to be i think you really have to be sincere with it as well i don't think you can switch empathy on and off or you i think if you do do that then you're going to come across totally the opposite and totally insincere and a bit false and a bit fake um and then people will start to question whether you're trustworthy uh, as i said to you uh, uh, earlier on i think i've always tried to be true to myself always not pretended to be anything other than 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 james um, whether I have a degree, whether I don't have a degree, I've, I've just always been been my myself. And um, as I say, it, it's done me well so far. So I think uh, there has to be 
an element of people just being themselves. I think if anybody starts to be anything they're not or tries to be anything they're not in any walk of life, uh, I think eventually, especially when you, you, you're you dealing with property and larger assets, you're going to get found out. So I think you always have to be true to yourself. And I don't think you can sort of make that up. I think you sort of either have it and you're, you're socially aware uh, and you, you have the sort of people skills to, to, to be able to do it or you don't. And something you mentioned earlier on in our conversation is mentoring and the value of mentorship. Was there anybody in your career, especially in the early years, that really helped you and really helped foster that ambition and that drive and helped you implement and gain those skills to be successful? And do you think that mentorship and mentoring is vital and valuable for any industry, not just within property? The latter question, yes, 100%. Uh, I think whatever sort of manuals you read or you sort of read biographies uh, of really successful entrepreneurs almost without fail they've started off by having a really good mentor and someone that's taken them under their wing Uh, so you you can learn off and you can take the best bits and you can try and emulate them Uh, and I think that's what 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 I've done and right right from day one um, I had uh, a lady called Melanie uh, who took me under her wing right right from the off, and uh, that coupled with even uh, you know the, the likes of John Hunt, the owner of Foxton's as it was, you know the door was always open to be able to 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 ask questions no no matter how silly you thought they were, they were always met um, with empathy, feeling that you weren't you weren't asking a stupid question even though I probably was asking them, but you know p- people that were around me gave me their time. And um, you just grow as an individual uh, and you feel confident and comfortable, I suppose. And now you're in the role that you're in, in a senior managerial position. Do you find yourself now fostering young talent and mentoring people and bringing those experiences that you had in your early career into what you're doing now? Yeah, I I mean, I'd certainly like to think that I do. Uh, It's something that I'm very, very conscious of. I guess you'd have to ask my teams directly to know whether I'm successful at it. But I'd certainly like to to think that I am. And, you know, as I've sort of come off the the client side, uh, although still involved on on the the, the larger things and certainly with developer clients and uh, institutions, as it were, my kick is, is taking an individual, whether they've done it before, whether they're fresh out of university whether they're straight out of a kitchen like myself and giving them the time uh, giving them the benefit of my experience both the good and the bad of what I've had over the years and um, and making them successful and nothing gives me a, a, a greater kick seeing you know a young negotiator getting promoted to an associate or partner and, and I guess that's where I get my kick now as opposed to sort of doing uh, transactions. And to centre us back on the property, you've mentioned that your career has always been in London. You started off in South Kensington and you stayed and moved around. And now as you head up our London sales team, was there ever any question about working anywhere else? Or was it always London that you wanted to be in? I always wanted to be in the centre of it. Um, absolutely. I think you know, if, if, you, if you want to go and do something, try and sort of do it within the best arena. Uh, and I think it's fair to say, certainly within the UK, arguably globally, the prime central London property market is exactly that. 
and I really wanted to test myself. Um, plus, there's obviously big, big, bigger opportunities um, within within London uh, as opposed to the um, to, to the other outer cities. Uh, I'm from from Birmingham, and I'm, you know, obviously that is a big big market there. Um, but it was the lure of London, both personally and professionally, that sort of caused me to want to come down and uh, see see if I could do it in 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 a larger arena. And what in particular is it about London that you love so much? Why have you decided to stay in this market for so long? I mean, it's an incredibly vibrant place. It's very transient. So there's lots of people coming in and out. It attracts all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life. Uh, As I said earlier, all different wealth categories, business owners, bankers, lawyers, entrepreneurs, their own businesses, business owners. Um, It's just a very, very vibrant place. It's a phenomenal place uh, to live and work. Although I no longer live in London. I moved out of London four years ago. It was a great, great place to live. Uh, I was there for the best part of, of 20 years and uh, I'll always have a close affiliation to to London and I love it I love the buzz uh, I love the people um, I, I enjoy the busyness of it if there is such a word um, is a great place to be I mean it's still considered one of the global financial capitals of the world um, so that alone uh, attracts some pretty interesting people and obviously now at night frank i I have the uh the ability to be involved and meet those people at the uh the the higher end of the scale i guess and i'm just fascinated by what they do uh how they've achieved their their success and you know it's an honor to 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 transact uh, or help transact on their behalf and you moved from foxons to night frank in 2015 what was it that inspired you to make the move what was the impetus for that decision I've been at Foxton's for 15 years. Uh, it was a great place to be. Uh, haven't got a bad word to say. Very enjoyable. Made some some great friendships that will last forever. Um, but I think for me personally, it was just sort of time to move. Uh, the company had evolved an awful lot. It had gone from being privately owned to being owned by uh, an investment firm to obviously eventually floating. Being part of that journey was fantastic it was brilliant very exciting Um, but I just wanted to sort of push myself probably that little bit further Uh, I got approached by Knight Frank um, and I was just blown away effectively by the the, one the opportunity and two uh, very much the different service lines that that Knight Frank offer there's not one thing in property uh, that we can't do, obviously, from sales to lettings to the consultancy, and that's before we even get into the investment side or the commercial aspect of of, of Knight Frank. So, uh, the opportunities are larger. It's a partnership, was which was a, a really big lure for me, uh, trying to get into that, especially uh, at the equity level, and that that's what sort of caused me to come out of my comfort zone, make make the jump, and uh, I'm obviously delighted with, with the decision. And this sounds like an inherently contradictory question, but do you enjoy leaving your comfort zones? Do you thrive in those situations of challenge? And do you like putting yourself in those new and difficult circumstances? Or does it, do you have to push yourself a little bit more to get to those situations and challenge is not necessarily something that you enjoy? 100%. Uh, I, I think anybody that sort of says that they enjoy pushing themselves out of their comfort zone continuously I don't know I don't think well I certainly don't enjoy doing it I enjoy the results when I do it but, but it just going back to what we were discussing earlier you know you do have those doubts you do question yourself 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but yeah, I, I, I guess I do because I've continuously uh, done it throughout my career and I've, I've certainly done it here at Knight Frank coming over, running the core team, then being asked to, to run one of the regions in prime central London to sort of coming out of my comfort zone with what I knew with the core to running the whole of prime central London, dealing with you know some very experienced agents that obviously at the top end of the market know uh, way more than than I did and even do now, um, but felt that I could add some value. Uh, and as I say, it comes back to the people piece, and that's what I think I'm good at. So no matter what situation I'm, I'm put in, in in regards to that, I feel as if I've got the skills to be able to to, to make that work. And over the last couple of years, um, we, we, we've generated, I believe, a really good team ethos that uh, is on the march and uh, doing doing extremely well. And the thing about being both client side and in a managerial position is that you're working with people. You have to be a people person to thrive in those roles. And so was it almost a natural transition to go from those client facing sales focused roles into more managerial positions? It did. Yeah, it did feel very natural. I mean, I still very much enjoy the client side. I've just worked very closely with a colleague in Kensington, sold uh, one of his uh, properties, one of his larger properties out of a, a, a big portfolio. And uh, I, m- I must admit, I did, I did enjoy that process and sort of sort of hop back to the good old days where that's all I was responsible for. And I, d- I did get a buzz when uh, we were eventually able to get that 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 particular deal over the line but as i said uh, earlier for sort of fear of repeating myself i get as much of a buzz now as sort of helping and support somebody coming into the business or or at any level for that matter somebody that's been with us for a long time that might have had a difficult year you know so, or a difficult couple of years just just sort of sit them down try and work out where it's going wrong work out the strengths and weaknesses and come up with a plan together to turn to turn something that might not be doing so well uh, into a into a better success story. But in answer to your question, Becky, yes, it, it has felt a, nat- uh, a sort of natural progression. Um, although at sort of different stages, you, you can doubt yourself. But um, as I say, I, I've got great people around me and every step of, uh, of the way, it's sort of been relatively easy, dare I say it, uh, just because of the quality of the, the individuals, the mentors that, that I've had around me. And to somebody listening who's at the start of their career and has seen your career trajectory, heard this conversation, thinks I'd love to be doing something like that, what advice would you give to them? That's a good question. Think, shoot for the stars and um, you'll, you'll get somewhere close, but don't try and do it in the first 12 to 24 months of your career. Uh, have patience. It does take time. Um, Things haven't always gone my way in the timeframes that I would want them to have gone, uh, especially when you're uh, a lot younger. You sort of want everything today um, with with any career. I think in any walk of life, you, you have to be really relatively patient. You have to put in the hours and you have to put in the, the hard graph. But if you're prepared to do that uh, and you're good enough, uh, you, you'll get to where you want to get to no doubt. And patience like adaptability is something that's come up a lot when I've been having the conversations on this podcast. And it's something that is incredibly important within the property industry because things aren't going to happen overnight. So I was wondering if there was a particular moment in your career where you realised that value of patience. Was there an incident that made you think, okay, I need to be patient on this. I need to realise that this is going to be a long process. Or is it something that's developed naturally over time? I don't think there was necessarily a light bulb moment. Uh, I certainly couldn't 
pin back a time um, where I was like, right, I need to be more patient. But, you know, through through having good, good managers, good mentors, seeing what they were doing, how they would do things, you know, I'd, I'd sort of see a negotiation going on. And it was who, who would blink first. And I think when you, you first, off, first start off, you're that person that blinks first. And uh, there's no, no doubt in my early days, I blew probably lots of opportunities to, uh, to to transact with with people just through impatience but you sort of see people around you what they're doing how they do it um, you go out with people certainly you know on viewings on uh, market appraisals and you sort of realize that you can take the best bits of everybody but the most important ingredient is to is to be yourself and if you're yourself and you take the best bits from the people around you then i then i think you will come good but patience is is a difficult skill to master as it as it were because everybody wants everything today tomorrow um as i say especially when you're 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 much younger and you're you're starting off but uh, it, it takes time. Um, now, clearly, some people get there uh, quicker than others. That that will always be the case. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if you're patient, you put in the, the hard graft, you listen to good people around you, as I keep saying, then, then it will come good. And to centre things a bit more on you and the property, you mentioned that you moved out of London four years ago. So I'd love to find out a little bit more about your home, why you chose it and how you're finding the experience of now living in the country and not being in London anymore. Uh, I chose my home initially for for the extra space, both internally and externally, Uh, moving out to London uh, into Surrey. We live in Farnham now. Uh, You get uh, quite a bit more for your money so that was that was the main driver uh, I had two children at the time I've now got three um, and it was it was schools the expense I suppose of bringing up a young family uh, in London and the schooling and some of the complications that 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 can have and just for us as a family uh, we thought it was uh, the right thing to do uh, and we certainly don't have any uh, regrets uh, the commute can be uh, a challenge at times and is definitely frustrating as I said right back at the beginning but uh, the, the, the benefits for us as a family and sort of me as an individual far outweigh the negatives. I, I love the outdoors, quite sporty, love getting out on my bike, uh, both road bike and uh, mountain bike and uh, it's just that little bit easier I would suggest than, than, than being in South London where we were. And this is a question that often is only ever asked of women but I really want to make sure that with this podcast we are also talking to men and fathers about their experiences of managing a family whilst also holding down an incredibly stressful and demanding job so how have you found navigating being a father being a parent while also having such an intense and high-ranking job I've got a very close family unit. I've got a fabulous wife uh, that I met back at uh, Foxton's. uh, And I guess it certainly helps that uh, she understands the demands of of the job. She was very successful uh, herself. So she, she, she gets it. She, she realizes that it's, it's not a nine to five um, and certainly understands um, the commitment that's required with the position that, that that I have, so that that definitely makes things a lot lot easier. And I've got I've got pretty cool kids. Um, they're phenomenally independent. They get it. They understand. 
and uh, as long as they get some time with me uh, at, at the weekends, um, that, that they're okay. I mean, I'm certainly not saying it's perfect and it, it comes with its challenges. And, you know, certainly over the lockdown period with homeschooling, that, that's been a challenging at times. But uh, I think we're a very close family unit. Lottie, my wife, is exceptionally understanding of, of, uh, uh, of what I do. And we just figure it out as, as part of a team. And you mentioned earlier that you cycle a lot and that you try to get outside. Is that your way of maintaining a healthy work-life balance and positive mental health? Or what do you do to make sure that you're not burning out and that you're making sure you look after yourself when you're not working? I go through real fits and starts. It's funny and it's something that I have to get better at. I can go for weeks where I where I don't do anything and burn out. Uh, the people that are above me might say, look, you need to take some some, some time out. And I, I'm the world's biggest hip- hypocrite in, in some respects because I'm always telling my guys to make sure that they look after themselves, that they're disciplined with their time, that they do go to the gym or that, you know, they do leave early, go watch a film or, do, you know, wh- whatever it is that they as individuals want to do to make sure that they they are fit and healthy and they do have that work-life balance. Uh I can I can not do myself at times, and then I go through through phases where 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 I do, and I know that I'm better for it. But just something sort of clicks me back into what 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 work the whole time. Um, so certainly moving forward, uh, and especially in my new role now, and, and and taking the lead from again the people around me, the people above me. They're 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 very disciplined. They do it, and. Um, I'm constantly asking myself or, or telling myself rather if they can do it I can do it and so that's something that I definitely have to get better at and will will get better at um, but it's difficult it, it can be quite difficult especially when you're responsible for such large teams uh, you're on call pretty much 24 7 but it, it, it comes down to discipline and as I say I can go through fits and starts um, but we'll, we'll get there. I mean, certainly in the lockdown period, I, I've exercised pretty much every day. I feel great. I, I, I definitely feel the benefit for it. Uh, and it's something that I will absolutely look to uh, continue with get, get going forward. Uh, perhaps not every day, but at, at least two or three times a week, just create the time. And I think that's really valuable to recognise. I think a lot of people will find that incredibly comforting to hear because I think the thing with work-life balance and maintaining positive mental health that it is ups and downs and it's not going to be perfect all the time, but it's just appreciating that it's actually the effort to put it in and it's maintaining that cognizance that you need to put those things into practice in order to look after yourself and not burn out. I think that's the more important part and the part that people need to remember. I think so. Yeah, I think, I mean, I sort of give give advice to the guys and girls, you know, working in the teams. I think if you if you aim for perfection constantly, then you're always going to be disappointed. I think it's never going to be perfect. A team is never going to to to, to be perfect. Uh, a transaction is never going to be perfect. Uh, we can aim for it and we can get really close to it. But as I say, I think if you're, you're constantly, there's not to, to say that you shouldn't strive for perfection, but I think, you know, if you expect it every time, I think you'll, you'll end up disappointed. And um, I read, I read Alex Ferguson's book not that long ago. And it's quite interesting. You know, obviously there's uh, a team he's made up of 11 players. And he said that if he could get 11, uh, sorry, seven out of the 11 players playing well, he knew that they would win. I think that's a really good bit of advice. It, it, it's just getting 
what you it's just getting certain elements of the team certain elements of the business certain elements of your life if you've got sort of 75 percent of it correct then i think you're doing a good job and it will work Mm, and i think that's a great philosophy to have and to bring things back onto the property throughout your career i can imagine you've worked on some incredible properties and seen the most amazing houses all over london so are there any deals or transactions or property stories that stick in your mind that you'd like to tell us a little bit more about? I mean, I've, I, I've obviously had quite a few over the years. I think one of the most unusual ones is the uh, the deal that I was, uh, that, that I talked about earlier and, and the one that's just happened in, in the last month or so uh, for a very, very good client. Did the, the, the transaction with a, with a colleague who was, uh, who found the buyer uh, and obviously showed the, the buyer around, but because I'd known the client and have known the client for 20, 20, 20 odd years, um, I, I sort of got quite heavily involved and uh, I had to deal with a chip after it had exchanged, um, which is something that I've, I've, I've never had to, to deal with before. Uh, quite unusual, uh, but we, we managed to bring it to a successful conclusion. It was just a reminder that um, different circumstances can, can pop up all the time. And even having been in the business for you know the best part of 21, 22 years now, um, there are still things that can uh, get get thrown up that, that you have to deal with and you have to learn. And uh, so that one sticks in the mind for two reasons. One, it was very difficult. Two, it was most recent. Um, other deals that I've done uh, in, in the past, probably a house in Hereford Square, uh, which was, uh, again, quite complicated, but in, enjoyable because, dare I say it, uh, both parties had different views uh, and different ways of doing things. Um, one was uh, a lawyer uh, for a merger and acquisition company. And um, the guy, it was actually a rental, the guy that was renting it was uh, an investment banker. And getting the, the, the two to agree on this quite high value rental, uh, sort of circa £5,000 a week was, was, was quite fun. And I remember being in the living room of the property at 10.30 at night with both of them there we come to an agreement and we put pen to paper on the tenancy agreement and um that 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 was pretty pretty satisfying um and it was my daughter's first birthday uh the following day and i remember having to come home at 10 30 at night and for some reason we bought a mini trampoline which is uh, an odd thing to buy for a for a one-year-old child and having to cobble that together and I think I got to bed around two o'clock in the morning and uh, rolling out of bed the next day it was quite satisfying to know that 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 deal had been done. Amazing those are both great stories and at the moment are there any properties on our books that really stand out for you if someone was scrolling through the Night Frank website on an afternoon which one would you tell them to search? So many of our properties, Becky, uh, are truly phenomenal. Uh, and, and I know it sounds a bit cheesy and a bit cliche, but I do feel incredibly lucky to be able to have access to, to, to these properties for, for the teams to sell. They truly are best in class. There's some, in, some incredible things across all of the offices. There's one particular property uh, I, I think that sticks in my mind at the moment, and that's a penthouse that we have uh, in Mayfair. Um, it's about sort of 15 years old in terms of the last time it was refurbished. Uh, so it certainly needs looking at again, but the potential for it uh, is 
absolutely incredible. It's on Stratton Street. It has the most incredible roof terrace that uh, looks down uh, Piccadilly uh, over Green Park. And uh, it's, it's pretty special as it is. And uh, knowing what some, some clients can do, whether they're end users uh, or, or developers, uh, they, they really could unlock the potential on that. It's, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal property. And so to begin to wrap up every podcast, we do a quick fire round. And the first question of which is London or country? London. Classic or contemporary? Contemporary. Penthouse or townhouse? Penthouse. Call or email? Call. Office or working from home? Office. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Swimming pool or tennis courts? Swimming pool. Walk or run? Run. Sales or lettings? Sales. A hundred percent. Just the simplicity uh, of it uh, for me. Um, Definitely sales. Definitely sales. That was so speedy. I think that might have been our quickest quickfire round yet. And so to wrap up the podcast, the final question that we ask all of our interviewees is what does connecting people and property perfectly mean to you? Wow. Good question. Night Frank, essentially, that's obviously what we say that we do. And I think that we do it very, very well. And I think just revisiting all the things I've said about being genuine, listening to people's wants and needs, empathising, showing a lot of emotional intelligence, taking all of that information that you can gather, whether that be from uh, the vendor or whether that be from the buyer, uh, and matching the two together. And it's through question-based selling, uh, finding out as much information as you possibly can, both about them as an individual, their wants and needs, uh, as much as you can about the properties that they're interested in, so you can be um, you can be armed. Um, that's that. I think that's that sums it up for me. James, thank you so much. I've loved this interview. Pleasure, pleasure to do it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of At Home with. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media, and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.